We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Alexander, got it! Very nice early post up by Adams working inside. Whistle and one! Oh! And T. Ferg rocking the rim! What is up, Thunder fans? Welcome to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. It is your boy, Taylor Peterson. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. And you can find our podcast at the underscore Uncontested. If you guys are not already following, please do. Uh, we have some unbiased opinion, some, um, okay, maybe some biased opinion, um, some great Twitter content. Uh, be sure to follow us there. On all social media platforms, we're on Instagram and Facebook as well, uh, and I've, I've been trying to get on Reddit a little bit and interact with you guys, so definitely be sure to follow us on all so- social media because we really appreciate your guys' support and love to interact with you all. Uh, we are also brought to you guys today by our awesome sponsor, Untuck It, and we are a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, so be sure to follow them on Twitter as well. Um, all their podcasts, um, their, their Twitter account in general especially if you're an NFL fan. You know, we have the NFC and the AFC championships coming up. Um, I'm a Chiefs fan, so I'm really excited for this weekend. Really excited. But also, if you're an NBA fan, I'm also a huge NBA fan. Uh, Being completely honest, I'm probably a bigger NBA and basketball fan even than I am a Chiefs fan. Um, And you definitely need to be sure to check out the Blue Wire Podcast Network because they have some some great stuff uh, to kind of keep you guys up up to date with all the big highlights from each night. Just for example, like John Morant's crazy highlights and his crazy passes from last night. Blue Wire has you covered. Be sure to check them out. Um, even if you're into like sports or gambling or soccer, Blue Wire has you covered. But unfortunately, speaking of covering, um, the Raptors, according to covers.com, they did cover. They were a plus one to cover tonight. Um, and they beat the Thunder 130-21, to end up winning by nine points as the Thunder rallied from behind. It was absolutely crazy. 
Um, I, I didn't think they had it in them after the first half, which we'll get into. But, um, you know, at one point they were down by as much as 30 points, but they were unable to pull off the miraculous comeback and end up losing by nine points to the um, defending champs and the Toronto Raptors. Thunder fall to 7-3 and three of their last 10 games, which is a pretty respectable record. And they're still four and a half games up on the eighth place Grizzlies uh, when I checked before this podcast. Unless that's updated, which I don't, do not believe it has, um, that's still pretty impressive. Um, although it would have been nice to be able to pull off the comeback tonight. So, now, before we jump into a breakdown of the game, uh, just some pregame notes that I thought were interesting. Or, or that are at least notable. Nerlens Noel, he missed miss tonight his sixth straight game with an ankle sprain which obviously is not ideal. I'm trying to nurse that back up, and the Thunder have obviously missed him, even with the games that they've won. Um, you know, they haven't necessarily struggled. Like like I said, they're 7-3 of their last 10, but it still would be nice to have New Orleans in that lineup. Abdul Nader. And don't get me wrong, I'm not like a huge diehard Nader fan by any means, especially those of you who have listened to this podcast. You guys know that. However, but, however, um, he certainly still missed from the lineup. He is able to give some valuable minutes, and so not having him was certainly a factor and will continue to be, continue to be moving forward if he's unable to play. Um, Pascal Siakam, he played his second game back from an ankle sprain, which I have been following as a proud member of the Pascal Siakam Fantasy Basketball Owner Club, I guess, if you want to call that a club. Um, I'm a proud owner of Pascal Siakam on my fantasy team. He's been incredible for me this season. So needless to say, I was excited to see him back until I realized he was playing my Thunder tonight. And he definitely did some damage, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Now, Fred now, uh, Fred Van Vliet did also not play tonight. Um, that He ended up missing his fourth consecutive game with a right hamstring strain. Uh, which obviously hurts the Raptors, but did not hurt them too much tonight. And then after putting up an absurd line of 45 points, which was a G League season high, 13 rebounds, 9 assists, and 6 blocks last night, less than 24 hours ago with the Oklahoma City Blue, Justin Patton was wrapped back up by the Thunder tonight before the game. And rightfully so, especially when you take into, into consideration the injuries like um, Abdel Nader and Nerlens Noel. Um, and then also, speaking of Justin Patton, before I move on, be sure to go and check out uh, on our Twitter account our guy Jacob, Jacob Niffin. Actually went and covered the blue game last night and got to see Patton's essentially his historic performance. You know, it's kind of funny to call it that, but he put on a an incredible show and had a really good post-game interview afterwards that Jacob got to be a big part of. So be sure to go and uh, check out that interview. However, Patton got some playing time tonight, which I'll get into. And that's something to to point out. So now that I've given you guys a, a couple pregame notes, I do have some things for tonight's game. But before then, I want to jump to a quick breakdown breakdown of tonight's game to kind of portray how the Thunder were able to uh, go from 30 down at one point in the game to within three points in the fourth quarter. Essentially in typical Thunder fashion for the season. Because it was uh, pretty incredible, even if they weren't able to completely pull off the comeback. So the first quarter really was just a little bit of back and forth to, to begin the game, um, as expected. But Muskie, Mike Muscala, he comes in as the first sub, even before Dennis, with about 6.40 left, maybe a little before that. And um, I, I found that very interesting. I want to make a point to, to mention that, that obviously Billy wanted to bring him in. Now, obviously, I will get into the Steven injury. Maybe 
Billy knew heading into this game that Steven wasn't 100%. Maybe that was part of it. Um, But regardless, Muskie came in pretty early, and that was notable. The Thunder turned the ball over nearly, or not nearly, early and often. Um, Nearly almost every possession, it seemed like, in the first quarter, maybe is what I was trying to say there. But they had six turnovers a little under midway through the first quarter, and it just continued from there. It was ridiculous. They ended the quarter with eight turnovers in one quarter, which is just absurd, um, especially for this this Thunder team this season. That's, that's not like them. I was about to say something about previous Thunder teams and previous seasons, but I'm not going to. So um, <laughs> they shot 19 from the floor, 3 of 10 from 3. Meanwhile, Toronto shot 16 of 23 from the floor and 4 of 8 from 3. Obviously, that's a pretty huge difference there, um, and that would just continue into the game. Toronto had 13 assists to the Thunder 6 in the first quarter. And to bring up a fun, or I guess depending on how you view it, a not-so-fun stat, that Brandon Rabar of Daily Thunder, who actually was on the last post-game podcast, so be sure to go and check that out, um, had an interesting stat, to say the least. Serge Ibaka had uh, four fewer points in the first quarter of this game and his OKC return. Then James Harden had all game last week at Chesapeake Arena and his return. So I, I thought I would mention that because that certainly was an interesting and a I guess, like I said, a fun stat, kind of funny, but also not so fun when you're a Thunder fan. <laughs> so needless to say, um, Toronto got off to a hot start, second quarter. Steven tweaks something that we don't know originally at first, but he ends up not playing the rest of the game. Um, at the beginning of the second half, the Thunder PR tweets out that he has a right knee contusion and will not play the second half of the game. So that obviously means some uh, musky, some more musky minutes, but also some Justin Patton minute, minutes after his huge game uh, in the G League the previous night. Now with 4.20 left in the half, uh, Madison Morris pointed out a really good stat. There was not a single Thunder player in double digits. So not only were they not performing well on the defensive end, but they were not scoring on the offensive end, which is, needless to say, <laughs> kind of a recipe for disaster there. Thunder eventually go on a 12-0 run to end the half, Capped off by an SGA 3, uh, buzzer beater 3 at the end of the half to cut the lead to 18 after being down by as much as 30. And that did continue some into the second half, but it kind of took them a little while <clears throat> to kind of continue that streak. Um, they were kind of cold to begin the third quarter. You know, like I mentioned, Thunder announced that Stevens out the rest of the game with the right knee contusion. Nobody, neither team, scored two thirty into the, 2 minutes, 30 seconds into the half. Neither team has scored. Um Every, it seemed like both teams had gone cold. However, Chris Paul, he's finally able to kind of provide that spark that he has done so much this season in the third quarter. Has the Thunder's first six points of the third quarter, including a four-point play where he's able to draw the foul and then actually hits the three-point shot and then hits the, the free throw, four-point play, Thunder back in it. Now, they still didn't really have an answer for Siakam at this point. They threw Chris Paul at him. They threw Schroeder at him. And uh, they both each individually did a good job. Uh, Chris Paul picked up two quick fouls in the third quarter. Uh, Schroeder goes on him, and he kind of gets cooked the first couple of times. But overall, um, I thought Schroeder especially ends up doing a good job on him. And they throw Gallo on him, who was able to kind of contain him once Schroeder, or not Schroeder, goodness, uh, once Siakam was able to kind of cool off. They go on a 16-5 to scoring run to make it an eight-point game in the third quarter. But Toronto goes on a run of their own including an absurd Norman, Norman Powell three to end the quarter, and Norman was just incredible tonight, um, more so than he usually is for the Toronto Raptors. Had a crazy game, I think 21 points off the bench, 
He hits a crazy fadeaway pump fake in the air kind of three. It was just absurd to kind of halt the momentum. And he did that a couple different times. He did that uh, as why well, I believe in the first half to kind of halt the run as well. However, after being outscored 38 to 25 in the first, and after being outscored 35 to 20 in the second, Thunder outscored Toronto 28 to 24 in the third quarter. At least gives him a chance, a fighting chance. I didn't think it was enough. However, fourth quarter happens. They're down 17 to start the fourth, 101 to 83, and they go on an 8 to 2 run to start. And it, well, Darius Baisley is the one who kind of kicks us off. The rookie of all people has six of those eight. I think there's a shooter floater in there, um, but he some of those uh, some of those shots that Baisley had included um, some great moves down or one great move down low. He had a really good cut, and they had an outside jumper as well. It was just really cool uh, and really exciting to watch, especially after Baisley kind of got cooked and essentially outplayed. You know, he Billy had to take him out after the first uh, first half when. Search kind of gave him the business. So then uh, OG, OG Inanobi, hits another crazy three to halt the Thunder momentum. He, as well as Powell, like I mentioned earlier, was uh, pretty good that tonight. It's a 21-point game, 6 minutes, 21 seconds left, and CP, CP3 comes in, and that's when the run kind of starts. Gallo hits a three, Shooter hits a three, Shea gets an and one, Shooter gets a steal, and then Muskie gets an and one. Shooter gets a layup. We're talking 118 to 111 at this point with 4 minutes and 40 seconds left. So uh, Siakam is able to get a a uh, a layup down low. I felt like it should have been an offensive foul. However, that puts the Raptors up 9. Gallo hits a 3. Uh, and, and an OB layup out of bounds happens, which I also thought was kind of annoying. But anyways, CP3 gets a layup. Siakam breaks a 3. Shea gets the rebound. This is a really fun possession. Shea gets the rebound. Kicks a shooter who finds a cutting Gallo. Gallo gets an and one dunk. Uh, just a huge dunk. A lot of momentum at the peak. Fans are going crazy. He's fouled by Siakam of all people. He hits the free throw. This makes it a three-point game. 112, or sorry, 122 to 119 with two minutes and 39 seconds left. But Siakam makes a tough layup. Shea gets fouled. He hits both free throws. He's just the best, and I love him clutch down the clutch um lowry hits two clutch shots back to back to make it a seven point game with 122 left and at that point the thunders couldn't convert they end up fouling and that's game thunder scored 38 points in the fourth but it's just not enough to overcome the early deficit so needless to say pretty crazy pretty fun game now before moving any further a quick word from our sponsor untuck it have you guys ever seen an untucked button down they look bad why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. That's why. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt that actually is designed to be worn untucked, casual, but not too casual. It still looks super sharp. No matter your size, your shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. More than 50-plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. I actually saw an Untuck It in the wild. Kansas City when I was there over the fall and walked into the store and was super impressed. Uh, the staff was incredible. Super impressed with the quality. And I love Untuck It. Definitely am able to wear them to work. Um, on Fridays, if I want to be casual, wear them untucked. Or if I want to dress them up, they look great. So choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, especially when it's, when it's getting cold, outerwear, so much more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big ever again. And 
Their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com, promo code BLUE for 20%. So if you guys have listened to our post-game podcast before, you will know that we all have our own unique spin for our respective post-game podcasts, but I like to break mine down into positive and negatives. But before I do that, I have a little uh, unique spin on my own post-game podcast that I haven't done so far this season because these two little bullet points I have here kind of fall into it, uh, not a positive or a negative, but like a neutral. So I'm calling it a uh, interesting tidbit. I'm going to give you guys two interesting tidbits from tonight's game for some negatives and then some positives. The first of those, Thunder tied a season-high 42 three-point attempts, making only 16 of them. I like that they were able to do that, especially with, obviously, Steven getting hurt early on and not having Nerlens. It makes sense why they would want to shoot a whole lot of outside shots, particularly when you have the length and uh, the strength of the the defenders that um, Toronto has. But they made only 16 of them, therefore kind of neutral. And then Gallo, Danilo Gallinari. I thought he missed some pretty critical shots throughout the game, um, which is crazy because he scored quite a few points yet again. Um, But... I was, I was not super happy with Gallo's performance, but he did set a Thunder record with 11 straight games of at least three made three-pointers per the Oklahoman, and uh, he was four of 11 from three tonight, I believe, if I checked my stats correctly. So uh, I kind of threw Gallo. I'm not going to jump into his game um, necessarily because I have some other points I want to get into, but I kind of threw that tidbit, at least uh, in an interesting tidbit, a neutral tidbit rather than a positive or a negative because Gallo did a little bit of both tonight some positives and some negatives, like I mentioned. The, the negatives primarily being some big missed threes, particularly in the first half when the Thunder were cold. But needless to say, nobody else was hitting them. And Gallo did make some huge plays down the stretch when it mattered. So therefore, that's a obviously a positive. Now, let's start with some negatives so we can end on some positives. Always want to want to end on positives. And unfortunately, there was quite a few negatives, but I just tried to, tried to kind of pick out the ones that stood out the most to me. And like I said, the first of those, and I mentioned this a couple different times now, but Steven Adams leaves the game towards the beginning of the second quarter, and he goes back to the locker room, doesn't start the second half, turns out he has a right knee contusion, and doesn't come back into the game. Now that is killer when you take into consideration, like I mentioned, Toronto's length and size, and also missing Nerland's Noel, your main backup center. So now you're down to uh, Muskie, Mike Muscala, and then you have Justin Patton, the the player who just was in the G League last night and uh, putting up historic numbers, which is great, but neither guys, uh, neither of those guys are necessarily guys you can rely on um, to kind of hold down that center position when you have those injuries like like Steven and Nerland. So needless to say, that was huge. Now my next negative: turnovers. That was probably the most blatant and obvious negative I think for tonight because it was just pretty obvious from the very beginning of tonight's game. Like I mentioned in my my game breakdown earlier, Thunder ended with 20 total turnovers, had eight turnovers in the first quarter alone, had 12 of those at half. The Raptors had 33 points off of those turnovers. Now this is interesting, kind of shows you how the Thunder were able to turn this game around the second half. The Thunder were still able to force 19 turnovers, and they forced 12 of those in the second half and scored 32 off those turnovers, like I mentioned, as compared to the 33 points off turnovers that the Raptors had. Shooter had five, 
turnovers CP3 had an uncharacteristic four turnovers Shea had three turnovers Gallo's had Gallo had two and there were some one sprinkled in there I think Ferg had one uh, maybe Patton had one etc regardless way too many turnovers um, I think a lot of that had to do with the Raptors size and length like I said they have a lot of versatile defenders but regardless it's just there's not many excuses for that particularly when you're able to turn around like the Thunder were able to in the second half that's very un- uncharacteristic of them, and it just digs yourself a hole like the, like they were, <laughs> were able to do in the first half, and it's really hard to come back down from 30 points, and a lot of that had to do because of the Thunder's turnovers and turning the ball over and not taking care of the ball, not converting on offense. Um, like I, I mentioned, those shooting percentages, so that was a huge and very obvious negative to me. Another one was the Thunder's defense, and I mentioned just a little bit ago about how that kind of improved in the second half. However, they still allow the Raptors to shoot 52 of 85 from the field. That's 61.2%. And according to the Raptors, that is a season high for them. Uh, the Raptors were 15 of 27 from three for 55.6%, which is just an absurd number from the three, from the three-point line, uh, particularly when that team is taking 21 or 27 attempts from, from three. In the first half, they also had no answer for Pascal Siakam. It just seemed like whoever they threw out on, whether whether it was Ferg or Gallo or whoever it was, they just they didn't really have an answer for him. He's just so long, um, he's so versatile. He's improved his his game so much, and it's just it's really impressive and pretty incredible to watch. But the Thunder just didn't have an answer for him. Um, that's a moment. I think somebody tweeted at me, and I apologize for not remembering the the handle, the Twitter handle, but they mentioned this is a time where you really wish you had Dre and I could not agree more Dre would would be great on Siakam or at least uh, would would serve better compared to some of the people that Thunder were throwing at him for example tried Burton in the first half and the second half to kind of disrupt him because of his size and his strength Um, I thought they did better better in the second half threw CP3 out at him but CP3 had two quick fouls He's trying to guard Siakam. Uh, and then Shooter, you know, he's just kind of a bulldog on defense. Even though he's obviously much smaller than Siakam, he was able to kind of get up in his grill and cool him off just enough. And sure enough, that was with the rest of the team cooling off, that was kind of enough to stop what Siakam was doing, stop the, th- uh, the uh, Raptors' momentum, and allow the Thunder to kind of get going on offense a little bit. And I was really impressed with Shooter's defense um, for a period there in the fourth quarter against Siakam. But needless to say they did not have an answer overall for him Raptors had seven players in double figures to the Thunder's five and those players scored in double digits pretty early so the the Thunder's defense obviously was a negative and um was not as well as they've been playing throughout the majority of the season now my next negative I threw Chris Paul in here and it's not necessarily his play if you look at his stat line you look at his plus minus he played a fairly decent game overall and he's not playing bad, but compared to how he's played over the past month, he hasn't played nearly as well the past couple of games, really since the Houston game against Russ. He's just a little more, I don't want to say timid, but he's not nearly as aggressive and assertive, I think, as he has been since that Houston game. Tonight, he shot only nine times, shooting five of nine for 16, which is not bad at all. But again, he only shot nine times. And I feel like, especially a game like tonight, where the offense is kind of stagnant, that's where you want Chris to be taking more of those shots and trying to take control of the game, which the reason I think that is because that's what he's done almost the entirety of the season. That's what he's been so great at. You know, he, you see he's just ridiculous numbers in the clutch. He's leading the league in so many of those um, so many of those categories in the clutch this season. 
those are the times that you want him to be taking more of those shots. I feel like tonight is one of those nights that he should have done that. If he was only one and three from three, it's another good example of that. Um, not a bad percentage because he only took three three pointers, but we're used to seeing Chris Paul do a little more of that. And if you're trying to win basketball games, again, which is a whole completely separate argument, but if you are, you want Chris to be taking more shots than that. Speaking of taking more shots, my last negative, super brief here. Shea only got 10 shot attempts. He was 6-10 from the field, 21 points, 2-2 from 3. Just great stat line, but only 10 shot attempts. I want to see Shea get more, and I'm ready for him to take a bigger role in this offense. Now, moving on to some positives. Muskie, mentioned him earlier. He's not my favorite player on the Thunder team. And like I said, if you guys have listened to the Uncontested uh, podcast before and have listened to me specifically, you know I'm not the, the biggest Muskie fan, but he stepped up big again with another pretty huge performance against the Timberwolves. Or, uh, um, well, sorry, he started with the Timberwolves performance on Monday and then again tonight with Stevens and Nerlens out. Scored a season-high 17 points, too short of his career high, which is really interesting. Uh, four rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block. He was a plus three on the night which is really indicative of how he played. Shot 6-11 from the field on a season-high 31 minutes. Thought Muskie played great. Um, or I say great. Great for him. <laughs> um, overall, I thought Muskie played just an, an, another, like I said, good-for-him game, especially considering, considering the circumstances. He did miss a couple critical open shots, including one three in the fourth quarter that I think I can't remember. I didn't go back and look at this, but... Uh, either would have tied the game or got the Thunder back within single single digits. And there seemed to be a couple of those, especially in the first half. But you really can't ask for much more for Mike Muscala. And I think you really have to take... Well, first of all, it, it's easy to hate on Mike, <laughs> I think, um, for his play this season so far. But you really have to take into consideration what Pressy went and flew all the way to Minnesota to knock on his, his doorstep and recruit him for it, right? He was recruiting him to be a stretch forward, kind of a backup to Jeremy Grant on a team with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Obviously, the circumstances are very different. He's playing backup center. I think it's taken him a little while to adjust. And I'm th I think we're seeing him finally starting to adjust a little bit to this new role and obviously this new team that he was not expecting when he first originally signed with the Thunder. I think you have to give him a lot of credit for that. So therefore, I am putting Muskie into my positives, and I hope to see this trend continue to, if not continue to increase, kind of stay consistent here. Now my next one, I mentioned it earlier, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander, our young budding superstar. Superstar may be still a little bold, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it anyways. 21 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. Like I mentioned, not nearly enough shot attempts. He was 7-7 from the free throw line, and I still feel like he didn't get the calls he deserves. Um, there's particularly two straight, or specifically, two straight possessions in the first half where he drives to the rim. He made one, uh, was able to make the layup, but got no call. I thought it should have been an and one, maybe a little biased. But then there was another one, I believe on the next possession, where he got his arm just absolutely hacked and just no call. And it just is really intriguing to me. I'm I'm curious, to, and I'm, I'm hopeful to see Shea start to get more and more of those calls as he continues to be more and more aggressive and essentially gives the refs no choice. I think we're starting to see that more, um, particularly with him having seven free throws attempts, for example. But um, there was a couple there where I just really thought there's other players in the league who would get those calls, and Shea didn't get them there. And that, again, that's probably just me being biased, but whatever. Uh, Shea has looked fantastic offensively. 
not just tonight, but obviously his incredible game Monday against the Timberwolves. And it makes me all the more excited to see him just with more control of the offense and the ball in his hands more. And whether that's post-trade deadline this season or even just next season, you know, once we continue our reposition and replenish, as as Presti likes to to say, essentially starting our rebuild, I'm really excited to see Shea with the ball in his hands more because I think it's going to be really interesting just, just to see what he's completely capable of with, with guys not around him like Chris Paul and Dan Shooter, for example. But we're seeing him improve every game with those guys, and that's super exciting and super optimistic. Speaking of improving every game, though, I'm going with a bit of a stretch here with a positive, but I'm going to go ahead and throw Darius Baisley, the rookie, into my positives. Yes, he got absolutely cooked by former Thunder power forward Serge Ibaka. I actually tweeted before the game. It'll be fun to kind of watch the Ibaka-Gallinari um, matchup, but then also kind of see the uh, Thunder's past in Serge Ibaka in the power forward position and Thunder's future and Baisley playing against each other. And Serge just gave him the business in the first half. But I love how Baisley responded in the second half. He didn't get down on himself. He continued to be aggressive. And his, his confidence for a rookie who didn't play competitive basketball, mind you, last season at all, not college, not overseas, he essentially just trained. And he's coming out with this confidence and this skill. It's really optimistic to me. You know, like I said, he was still able to come back in the second half. He scored six of the Thunder's eight in that fourth quarter stretch, which essentially helped kind of spark that comeback. He was shooting from outside. He was driving. He's doing gyro steps. He's cutting off the ball, which shows me flashes what he's capable of and also his incredible basketball IQ. Now, his defense still needs a lot of work, and I think a lot of that is due to his size, right? He needs to put on a lot of size. He needs to improve defensively, and he needs to continue to hone in on that jump shot. But we've seen that improve as the games have gone on. The experience has been great for him. And I think next year we'll be talking, I'm going to go ahead and say, I think we're going to be talking about a huge leap, or what a big leap, Baisley has made as a player. I'm not going to say it will be a SGA leap necessarily, um, but maybe something close to it. Like we're not going to be talking about Baisley as an all-star player next season by any means, but I think we're going to be talking about at least as big of uh, a jump in growth next season. Things will be a really big offseason in summer for Baisley this coming year, and I'm really excited to see him at this point next season because I think, like I said, I think it will be a big jump. And I'll go ahead and put that for my you know, preseason predictions for, for next year. Um, so, you know, I think you have to give Presti credit for taking Baisley over Clark. Um, maybe not too much credit yet. That's obviously a lot of that is to be seen. But I think, like I said, here a year from now, we may we be giving Presti a lot more credit than we are right now currently. And with all that being said, I love Brandon Clark, who was uh, taken by the Grizzlies. I think he's going to be an incredible player. And even I am questioning <laughs> Presti's decision to take Baisley over Clark right now. But I... I'm still optimistic, holding out hope. I think Baisley can delve into an incredible player, um, has a lot of potential. So I just kind of raved on Baisley there for a little bit. But um, I know I've gone a little long, but you guys gave me a lot of great questions. And not just from Twitter, but also Reddit. And I actually got a, a question via text as well. I ended up texting a couple friends. So I'm going to jump to some, some questions, and then we will get out of here. So my first one is actually via text. It's from uh, Peyton Lang, one of my good friends from back in middle school and high school. He asked me about Muskie. He said, Muskie stock up? Question mark. Now that he's getting more consistent playing time with Nerlens out, are we going to continue to see a rise in his play, or has he just had a lucky past few games? Um, that's a really good question. 
Nick actually replied to that. We have a little group text here, our own Nick Crane. And uh, he said he played well, but he also has some horrible air balls, which is kind of what I was going through when I had him uh, musking in my positives. Peyton, I'm going to say that this increased playing time has led to his uh, his better play. I'm not sure we're going to see him continue to trend up by any means, but I think this is at least at least giving him the confidence that he needs to be able to come in and to and to contribute. But needless to say, I don't think this means that like when Nerlens gets back that we're going to see Muskie get like a huge increase in minutes or anything. I think a lot of this, like you said, is because Nerlens is out. Now we'll see with Steven. Hopefully it's not a serious injury. That could kind of put a wrinkle on this. But um, as of right now, it's great to see Muskie step up and play some great minutes. I don't think I still don't think it warrants playing him over Nerlens, for example, or giving him a lot of minutes when Nerlens comes back. So I am going to switch over now to Reddit because you guys actually give me quite a few questions. Super appreciative of you guys. We'll try to be more interactive over there. Um, Easy Escobar asked me a pretty interesting question, which is so true. Just feels so true as a Thunder fan. But he asked, or she asked, what is it about visiting teams going unconscious and splashing ridiculous contested and unreal three-point shots and he's obviously referring to some of the ridiculous shots I mentioned in the, uh, this post game podcast, like Powell just hitting that ridiculous um, three at the buzzer. It's like a pump fake, fadeaway three point shot contested. The Raptors are just making some incredible shots, as did the Lakers here a couple games ago back home that Justin had to to cover <laughs> our own Justin. I'm not really sure. You know, I I think after the Russ game, for example, this past Thursday. I think the Thunder team was a little emotionally exhausted from that, maybe kind of mentally out of it. I think some of that has led to the recent play, although they had a pretty solid game against Minnesota, although a lot of that was led by Shea. And so um, we still haven't seen the team put a complete game together like as a team since that Houston game. I'm starting to wonder if they just kind of got a little tired from that and you have to keep in mind as well, like we've seen this with other Thunder teams, obviously constructed differently as we get closer to the trade deadline. Teams kind of get to get a little tired. These players kind of get ready for that break. I think we have to keep that in mind as well because we're seeing that with some of these other teams also. So that's a really good question though and just feels so true as a Thunder fan. So the next one on Reddit is Kelly Maniero. She asks, should we start a GoFundMe to purchase high-quality knee pads for Steven? Knee contusions seem to be a frequent problem for him. Let's protect our boy. Uh, Kelly, I am with you, but not just knees. It's everything. Let's get that man some some knee pads, some elbow pads, some shoulder pads, some helmets. Let's just wrap our guy up in bubble wrap and just let him get after it because he is physical. And, uh, yeah, he gets bumped and, and bruised quite a bit. <laughs> so I'm with you, Kelly. Five-star, five-star on Reddit. Ask me, who do you think will become the better player? OG or Ferg? That is such a great question because the Thunder actually were able to draft OG over Ferguson, but chose Ferguson instead, which is kind of a surprise to many people um, in the NBA world, many of the media. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say OG because I think he's more versatile on both ends of the floor. Ferg right now may be a better defender than him, but OG just has the size and strength to develop into an incredible defender, and he's, like we saw tonight, you know, with like 21 points. He can score offensively, and that's not something that he's just done this season. You know, he did it last year with that championship team, although not nearly as frequently because of Kawhi. But needless to say, I think OG has the most potential right now. Is playing the best, but that doesn't mean I'm super, super down on Ferg. I just he has not been able to put it together offensively yet, and that's a little concerning. Next Reddit question: Lamb conquers. 
Muscala has not played that well recently. With our injured bigs, do you think this game proved he deserves the minutes he's gotten, or would you still take a chance on Justin Patton, JP13? Side note, we got to do something about the slow first half. Um, I'm with you on both of those points. It would be kind of cool to see Justin Patton get an increased minutes and kind of see what he's capable of, particularly after what yeah, he showed in the G League. Now, obviously, you have to take in mind who he played in the G League, the G League players compared to NBA players, all that, which I'm sure you guys are very well aware of. I'm not saying he's going to drop 45, for example, in an NBA game, but I thought he came in and gave some really good minutes. I think he's capable of much more than what he's shown so far. Um, so I'm with you there. It would be cool to see Justin Patton get some more minutes, but that kind of leads into the whole question. Are you trying to win games? Are you playing it safe trying to win games with Mike Muscala? Or are you trying to develop players? And um, Justin Patton would fall into that category. So maybe he's a player post-trade deadline, for example, if we're able to trade away, or not able, but if we end up trading away in Erlens Noel, is, is Justin Patton a guy who kind of benefits from that, for example? So we'll see. Um, and yes, the first half deficits obviously suck. I'm with you there for sure. Great questions, guys. Uh, shout out our Thunder on Reddit. Now I have a lot of Twitter questions because you guys are the best, but obviously I've gone a lot longer <laughs> during my post-game podcast than I thought I was going to. So I'm going, I'm going to try and handpick just a couple uh, out of here on Twitter to answer so that we can go ahead and get out of here. But um, Zayoyevic, I can never pronounce his Twitter handle, but his name is Nate. My guy, Nate. I'm just going to continue to call him Nate from here on out. He he asked a pretty funny question. How pumped are you to see Mike Muscala as starting center? Um, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, Nate. <laughs> but I know that that's what you were getting at, and that was probably sarcastic. So, uh, yeah, good question. Next one is from Trevor Rush at TRush21. Asked a pretty funny question. He said, did we sacrifice Adams to witness Patton's monster game last night? And then he posted a meme of uh, Thanos from... Avengers, and uh, you know what did it cost? Everything meme. It was it, that, that that's pretty good. That's pretty fun. I gotta give him a shout out there. Uh, I had another question about the crazy shots that the Raptors had, so I'm gonna skip over that one. That was really good though from John. Let's see. Stan SGA asked, "What's the final score of a game played between today's Raptors and the Lakers' second and third string, second and third stringers from Saturday?" You know, Stan SGA. I'm going to say that. It's probably a uh, overtime game where both of them score like 120 plus points because especially if they're playing, they could play against the Thunder as well. Um, yeah, yeah, they they both were on fire. It was, it was pretty absurd. Uh, Austin, flawless underscore axe asked, what would you want for Gallo at the deadline if he's moved? That's a really good question. We've mentioned that a little bit, so I'll try and give a quick answer here. But I think with Gallo, you're looking for um, something for the future. <laughs> and I think the most reasonable and the most likely uh, of that would be future draft picks. I think Gallo, absolutely how he's playing right now, so long as he can stay healthy, would be a first round, maybe a couple first rounders if you're lucky. Knowing Sam Presti might be able to do that. Maybe more likely as a first rounder and a second rounder. Or you might be able to get like a young promising player. So, for example, the first one and the kind of the low-hanging fruit that kind of uh, comes off my mind is the Blazers. You're either able to, you know, trade him for like the matching salary, so Bazemore or Whiteside, and then either a young player like Mr. Little or Anthony Simons and like a second-round draft pick. Or you're getting like a first-rounder 
and matching salary, something of that nature. I think that would be equal return for Gallo right now. Um, obviously, I'm much more higher on him. We are much more higher on him as Thunder fans, but I think around the league, we're seeing a lot of, especially analysts and uh, NBA media who are very high on Gallo as well, and probably think that's a fair return. So I think something along those lines, which means that Sam's just going to completely surprise all of us. Again, I would not be completely shocked to see Gallo stay post-trade deadline because I think there's some options they can do with him this summer. I would be shocked to see him still on this team come tip-off of next season. So we'll see how all that plays out. But needless to say, I'm getting kind of angsty. I'm getting really excited. You know, I think we're less than three weeks away now, closer to two weeks now, um, to the February trade deadline. And so uh, we're getting close, and it'll be really interesting to see what Pressy ends up doing, whether he's a buyer or a seller. Speaking of which, go listen to our latest group pod that we dropped on Monday because we, we definitely mentioned that. So, um, so yeah, that was a really good question as well. So thank you guys so much for sending in all those questions. Super appreciative of you guys. Some great questions, and uh, like, I, like I said, it really makes it fun for us, especially when we're doing these post-game podcasts. So continue to send them in, and we'll continue to try and answer them. So I think that's all I have. Uh, thank you guys again for following along with me, sending me those questions like I mentioned, uh, just tweeting and interacting with me throughout tonight's game. The Thunder drop a tough one after trying to make a miraculous comeback. They were, they end up falling short, but the good news is the Thunder play again Friday at 7. They have a back-to-back Saturday at 8 o'clock against the Portland Trailblazers, kind of a little bit of a rivalry, rivalry there. So be sure to stay tuned. The Enchitessa will have you guys covered for both of those games so be sure to uh, to stay with us leave us a five-star review and thank you guys again for following along until next time thunder up i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.